We're continuing our marathon here tonight on Tuesday. And let's do a sound check. Brother Hank. Yes. God bless you, my friend. How are you doing tonight? Oh, I am blessed and highly favored. Thank you. Great to be with you tonight. Everybody, we got a real special treat tonight. Hank Groover coming up next. Are you ready? Ready to take a ride. Grab your coffee and strap yourself in. If you listen, I can hear God's plan. Because the show is about to begin. You're listening. You're listening to the Omega Man Radio Network. All right, everybody, welcome back. Glad to be with you tonight, wherever you're tuning in from. we got a real special treat. We've got Hank Groover here in the house tonight. He'll be with us the next hour. And uh, we uh, welcome you, wherever you're tuning in from. We're broadcasting on MixLR, Blog Talk Radio, Twitch TV, and we want to welcome people on the new Discord channel. Also, a quick announcement. As many of you know, we were banned on YouTube for standing up for POTUS and speaking out against that blasted COVID-19. But um, you can't keep Mega Man down. We came back under a new channel name. Now, I'm not going to be live streaming over there. That's too dangerous. They'll catch me. But we're uh, <laughs> we're putting shows up in the archive. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll do what we can over there. Keep it going. Brother Hank, welcome aboard tonight, my brother. How are you doing? Oh, it's uh, just blessed beyond the curse, for sure. Honored to be with you and Wow. Yeah. We'll have a great time in the Lord tonight, folks. I had a, a conversation we were setting up last night with Brother Hank today, his time, and uh, oh man, he's been on some adventures. Uh, tonight's just going to be an introduction to Hank, and then we're going to get Hank scheduled for a, a few hours for the next show. He's got a lot to tell you about his trips. We'll just jump right on in. Hank, do you want to open us up in prayer? Yes, amen. Heavenly Father, we graciously come before you. We We thank you and we praise you that you are the God of the universe. You hold the world in your hand, and we can cast our cares upon you, for you care for us. So, Lord, we just ask that you would open our ears and our eyes to your grace, to your mercy, that the words that are spoken tonight would foremost glorify you and your kingdom. Lord, it's not about us, but it's about you. And if there's any pride in our hearts, Lord, we just ask that you would remove that pride and that all the glory, all the praise, all the honor belongs to you. We thank you, we praise you, and we commit this time to you. In Jesus' name, amen. I say amen. What a distinct honor it is to have uh, the son of Henry Groover here tonight. He was a great friend of Mega Man Radio. And brother, um, in talking to you, I'm just excited about what the Lord has in store for you and Sister Groover and the family. And um, with that, uh, welcome, my friend. And the mic is yours, whatever the Holy Spirit has for us tonight. Take it away. Wow, thank you so much. Um, I'm getting past the little butterflies here. Um, never done a radio interview. I've heard my dad on many of them. And you reached out to the ministry. It's been, I think it was May of last year. And you'd asked if myself or Becky would want to be on the show. And um, at that time, I did not feel that it was the time to to come on the show. And um but over the last nine, ten months, God's just been doing awesome things in our lives and in the ministry, and um, we're we're just excited what He's doing. It, we're we're still grieving, obviously losing our our mom and dad within fourteen months apart. Our mom passed away in August of eighteen, and then our dad passed away in October of two thousand nineteen. And um, growing up. In this, in the Groover family, growing up Groover, it, it's, I mean, there's so many amazing testimonies that we could spend hours and hours and hours on end just, just sharing about what God did in our lives growing up. And um, so many of the viewers have, listeners have heard my dad and heard the amazing testimonies. When I was talking with Brother Shannon earlier today, um, he had described my dad as, kind of the Indiana Jones of the the faith, you could say. That's He's right. constantly on an adventure. <laughs> and that 
that was it. I mean, that was our our childhood. Um, a little bit about myself. I'm the youngest of of the thirteen. Um, I was born in September of 1980, and um, before I came along, um, there were six girls, six boys, and um, I come and tip the scales to you know the boys' favor. But um, when I when I was born. My my dad and my mom were, they were in the ministry and they were constantly doing home meetings. So we grew up in, I was born in Portland, Oregon, a little town called, or a suburb, we call it St. John's. And when my, back in the 80s, I mean, they were going to home meetings five, six nights a week. And these weren't, you know, just going to greet people. It was two, three, four-hour meetings. So they're doing this all throughout the week. And my dad was working a full-time job at the the same time. And the pull of ministry and the pull of work were were just too much. And he, he tells it that, you know, he just was seeking God and I can't do both. And I you know, his heart's desire was to be in ministry. And I love how they, they, they did that. And it just, you don't hear about it much anymore. And and what they did to live by faith was they began donating more of his salary every month over a period of about a year. So they began testing God and saying, look, if we're going to be in full-time ministry, you got to provide for, um, I think there's eight or nine kids in the house at that time. So there's 19 years difference between myself and the oldest um, daughter, which is Ellen. So um, when I was born, I think I think there was nine of us in the house. Don't quote me on that. <laughs> I'm not 100% sure. But um, our, our parents would, they sought God and they said, if this is to be your will, if we're to be in full-time ministry, we're not going to speak our needs. We're not going to tell people what we need to supply for our family. We, we want you to supply. We want to have that faith. And so they began testing God with, with their finances. So the first month, say he brought home, I don't know how much back in 1980, 1979, 1980, um, say he brought $1,500 a month. So they were already tithing 10%. That wasn't an issue. But the first month, let's say they gave um, 15%. Then the second month into it, they gave 20%. And then um, 25, 30%. By the end of that testing period, which I think was a little over a year, they were giving away his whole salary. And what God was doing, he was replenishing what they were giving away each month. <laughs> so he would he would bring um, checks in and donations in without them speaking a single need. And it just showed his faithfulness. It built their faith to such an amazing level that it, you just, it, it makes you just in awe of, of that type of faith. So they, they had that foundation and they built that foundation. And we, we grew up with that in our lives. And it was, it was never a matter of, you know, we don't have enough. We, we always had enough. We didn't have the best of it, but we always had enough and we always had what we needed. God supplied all of our needs. I remember, you know, growing up on cornflakes and hot dogs and ramen noodles, um, gallon of milk would always be watered down because, you know, <laughs> dad would add some, some water <laughs> to it to make it last a little longer. Um, very few memories of powdered milk, but I do have one powdered milk memory that I never want to experience again, <laughs> but it's just, <laughs> we, we didn't have everything, but we had everything, you know, and the, the neighborhood kids, they would, they'd always want to come to our house and play. And our, our dad would let us build stuff. He would let us um, be constructive and, you know, we'd go over to their house and play with their Nintendo or whatever, watch their TV. And, and I'm like, why do you want to be at my house? We don't have any of this. But the peace of God amongst all the chaos rested on our parents' house. And the the neighborhood kids grew up in such turmoil that they would just come to our house. I had a friend in high school that he would come to my house with nobody there. And he would just be sitting in the living room. My parents never cared. They They loved the kid and he came from a rough family. But I would come home and 
no lights were on and I'd walk in and whoa hey Ryan how's it going hey good I'm like what you doing just sitting here I'm like what why is that I like the peace it's just peaceful <laughs> I'm like whoa and I didn't understand it back then I'm in high school but you know when you when you live around such turmoil such strife yeah we need peace and we need the god of of peace and mercy in our lives and our families' lives. Um, so that was our upbringing. If, if we were ever hurt, which there was plenty of injuries, um, Peter was born dead. Um, David's eye was knocked out with a dirt clod, um, many broken bones, all sorts of things. But if we were injured, the first thing our dad would, would do was ask us, what do you want me to do? You want me to take you to the, a doctor? Or do you want me to pray? And from an earliest age, I can remember it was pray. That Why would we have you do anything else? And thinking about back on this, I mean, it's making me tear up because it's just so... The faith, the, the miracles were just so amazing growing up in that, that atmosphere. Um, God did so many, so many awesome things awesome creative things in our lives. But at the same time, it's, it's odd because miracles, they can't sustain you. You'll forget about it. You'll, um, the devil will come in and he'll make you think that that wasn't a miracle, that it was just something normal or, and then you forget about what God did. And, and so, I mean, I have siblings that, that don't walk with God yet. You know, I have siblings that, that deny some of the, the miracles that they experienced as children. And it just goes to show that God doesn't have grandchildren. My dad said this many times. God does not have grandchildren. He has sons and daughters. We have to make that commitment. We have to make that that commitment to him. We can't get into heaven through our parents. And that is something I have have known over the years, but I've really begun to understand that over the last year and a half, losing my parents. Um, I had the privilege of walking and praying with my dad on, on several ministry trips when in my early 20s. And uh, we went to Japan four times and we did a ton of ministry. I mean, I was the first time I was there, I was 19. I celebrated my 19th birthday there. And my parents were telling me, you know, this is it's not an easy task. We, we go over there, we do um, ministry each and every day. We walk and pray a lot. We are, we are just going, going, going. And I'm, you know, 18, 19 years old thinking, you guys are old. This is going to be a walk in the park. <laughs> <laughs> I got over there, and I kid you not, the first seven days, I was so beat down. I, I was almost in tears. <laughs> and it wasn't so much the physical side of it, but it was the spiritual side. You go and you give and you give and you give. And if you're not getting filled, if you're not spending time with God, getting filled with the Holy Spirit, you can only give so much. And then you start to give of your flesh and it just gets ugly. <laughs> but after about seven days, I remember going to my dad and and we were in Okinawa at this time. And Shannon, you 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 spent some time in Okinawa as a child, As correct? a baby, yes, sir. I don't remember it, but yeah. I hear it's a nice okay. place. <laughs> well, maybe you can go back with me sometime. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so Okinawa is a beautiful island, southernmost one of the southernmost islands in Japan. And so imagine going from Iowa to Okinawa. Iowa's landlocked. Okinawa's beautiful beautiful ocean coast and everything and beaches. So we're, we're doing like seven to 10 days of straight ministry. And we're, we're up early in the morning. We're prayer walking three, four hours a day. Then we're having an afternoon service and then we're prayer walking some more. Then we're having an evening service. And, um, my dad would pray for every single person in that service. And the Japanese churches are not you know, very large churches, but still when you're praying for 20 to 30 people like my dad does, that is a long time because it's not just laying a hand on them, Lord, bless them, keep them, next person, bless them, Lord. He is personally prophesying over each person. And um, it is, 
it's amazing, but you are tired. You're finishing up at 12, 1230 at night, going back, sleeping for, you know, five, six hours up and at it the next day. So seven to 10 days of this. And I'm, we're, we're driving all over the Island. We're, we're going by all these beaches and I'm sitting in the car with dad and, um, the interpreter, um, pastor Nima, Nima sensei, sensei Nima. And I'm like, dad, why can't we just stop and touch the, the sand in the water, please? <laughs> it's winter in Iowa. It's, it's, you know, 70, 80 degrees here. Why can't we just stop and, and touch the sand? I, I can't, I don't know how much longer I can go. <laughs> and, and I remember just chuckling and, and, we we stopped and found a beach and I run out there and this silly American <laughs> going into the water and in, in wintertime in Okinawa. But it was a rude awakening because, you know, I thought my dad traveled the world, was wined and dined and, you know, had arrived in the ministry elite. But that was so far from the truth. it's just not even close to that. His humility was something great on this earth. And and I know a lot of listeners can attest to that. He was a very humble man. He would go to the least of these. He, he would go to a church and, and the church may only have three or four people. He would spend um, maybe four or $500 to get to that church by the bullet train or, or airplane or taxis, whatever it would be. And I was talking with his interpreter just just last year in January. My wife, Heather, and I uh, had the privilege of of going to Japan. And we're talking with Akira. He had been an interpreter for my dad for the last 14 years. Closest man to my dad on this earth. Um, They they shared a, a special bond and just an amazing, amazing man of God. Akira is an awesome, awesome person. Um so he, he he's sharing with us about this and he's sharing with us about the Japanese people and their love for our dad and and I'm just in tears at this point because their their genuine sincerity of we miss your dad, we're sorry for your loss. We thank you that you allowed him to come here. I mean, it was just shy of twenty five years that my dad and mom traveled to to Japan two times a year up to um, eight weeks per trip and they he covered so much of that island that that interpreter said there has never been any type of evangelist to come to our country like your dad he said he just it didn't matter you know it didn't matter the size of the church it didn't matter the people if God told him to go, he would go. And that interpreter had, he's interpreted for all the big name evangelists that have come to Japan. And he's telling me testimony stories about these big name evangelists that come and they require these fancy hotel suites and they require first class and they require all these, all these things. And he said, there, tell me your dad never required this once. Your dad, I'm sorry, this is really emotional. (laughs) I didn't realize it'd be this emotional, but your dad, I don't know if he ever left our country in the black, like with donations. And I, I was able to encourage him and tell him, brother, you have no idea what God did in our lives and through the ministry, once our parents started traveling to Japan, our parents started going there in, in 1995 was the first trip. And before before they started going to Japan, the ministry, it, it always had enough, but it was, you know, the term paycheck to paycheck. The, the ministry was paycheck to paycheck. There were times when we needed school clothing and our mom would be like, Let, let's pray it in. Let's. Let's let's get on our knees and, and pray pray in our school supplies. Or um, I know this this ministry donates this time of the month, and Lord willing, you know that that money will arrive. And it always did. It always did. But when our parents started traveling to Japan, God just opened the floodgates, and the financial blessings that came into Joyful Sound Ministries were 
it had never been anything like that. It was it was amazing. But my dad's humility through it all was something that I I can only pray and hope that I can carry with me, you know, the the days that God gives me on this earth. It's without humility we are we are nothing. I mean with that with pride the enemy just steals so much from us and and you know part of the reason a year ago I I knew I couldn't come on the show was was pride and it's just I I'm not ready for that platform yet. I'm not ready to to have you know that type of platform that my dad had and but god's just been doing such such amazing things over the last year um so traveling with my dad in my youth it was an awesome privilege um telling shannon about this earlier today and the lord the holy spirit just kind of showed me this analogy but anytime other people walked and prayed with my dad um it kind of looked like this. So when birds fly in a V formation, they're supposed to change positions. So one bird is not taking the brunt of the, the wind or whatever's coming at them. Well, I think when my dad walked this earth and prayer walked it so much when he was walking it with teams that we were in a V formation, but nobody ever took the front from him. We just let him have it. And it was, we're, we're supporting you in prayer, but you're the expert at this. So you take the brunt of the battle. And he, he really did all those years. But what God is, is showing me now is, is this is, such an easy thing. Anybody can do it. Everybody should be doing it. It's not something you have to be extensively trained to do. It's not something you have to have some powerful anointing, some mantle from some man of God. This is just going out. This is walking with God. And that was so much of my dad's ministry, was walking with God. And when you walk with God, oh, the 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 things he does in and through you are are just absolutely amazing and that's that goes back to you know he's like the Indiana Jones of the faith <laughs> and it's just because of his obedience to walk with God it, God's not a respecter of persons you don't have to have a, a a degree in theology you don't have to have a doctorate in um, theology or seminary school or anything like that it's just a willing heart to walk with God and talk with him. Hank um, Grover yes. is our special guest right now. Hank, let me throw in a question here. For some that may not be familiar with what prayer walking is, uh, what do you mean to walk with God? And in, in the context of the ministry that God has called you to and your father, the prayer walker, um, give us an example of maybe one of the uh, assignments that the Lord would send you all in on to walk with God. Amen. Absolutely great question. The the first and mo- most important um principle I would say is walking in God's peace and my my dad always talked about that extensively. Um if you have the peace of God, walk with it. You lose that peace, stop and find that peace. And I'd heard him say that so many times, but I really did not understand it. Um I didn't experience it so i couldn't understand it quite yet um we so last january first through the 10th um, my wife heather and i god graciously opened the door where we were able to go to japan and so in, in japan it was we were able to minister at a handful of churches and be with akira that interpreter of my dad's for the last 14 years for 10 days and so we went and we visited this hospital in Osaka. And this hospital, it's, just, it's really, really awesome people. The, the owner of the hospital, uh, awesome Christian. And then there's a few people on her team that are also Christians, and they have um, a Bible study and prayer meetings every week. And my dad's been visiting this, this hospital for, uh, I don't know if it's been six, seven years, but it's been, been quite a while. Well, the last time he he went there. We we heard this 
testimony firsthand from, um, I think as a radiologist that was one of the, it was two women, the owner and her um, right-hand secretary, and then uh, the radiologist, this man that got together and um, prayed together and, and had Bible studies. So every time my dad would come, they would just um, sit there with him and and listen, and, and then they'd prayer walk also. And they're, they're graciously serving us and just telling us, you know, what it was an honor to, to know our dad and, and to have him come and visit them. The last time he was there, the, the radiologist was telling me this testimony and it just knocked my, knocked me off my feet. But he, he um, was saying that they were telling my dad about this apartment complex that had a high rate of suicides happening. And when they started telling my dad about that, he got excited, obviously not about the suicides, but because he knew he had faith, he had confidence that there is some curse with the enemy, a curse of um, uh, an agreement with death, the curse of death. And um, he knew that they could, they could go in, walk and pray and overcome that and take that land back for God. So they, they went to that area that, the high-rise apartment complex, and they started walking and praying. And the gas, uh, the uh, radiologist, is telling me this testimony. And he, he, he's walking and praying with my dad. And he sees my dad standing next to two trees. One is alive and one is dead. And he, he's looking at my dad standing next to this dead tree. And then my dad starts um, telling him, "Hey, this is where we need to pray." Look at this tree. It's dead. Look at the one next to it. It's alive. Something happened here. There was a covenant. There was a curse with death, and it happened here at this tree. And, and th- that's one of the most easiest principles when prayer walking. If, you, if you're not hearing the innocent blood crying out of the land, which very few of us are, you won't hear it until you've been walking with God for a long time like my dad. But if you see an area where there's Life and there's death in in nature. Know that something happened there. There's probably innocent bloodshed there. There was there was some act of violence. Some something happened in that spot. And so he's telling these people there, there's no reason that this tree is alive and this one's dead. Something happened here. Let's pray. Let's break this curse. So they they pray there and and they break the curse. They feel good. They leave. My dad didn't get to hear this testimony this side of heaven. So. This radiologist is sharing this with us. And that was the last time they, they saw my dad. So fast forward to January of 2020, and we're sitting in the hospital talking with this radiologist. And, and he's sharing this, this testimony with me, and tears are in his eyes. And he says, I walked past that, that high rise a few months later. The first thing I noticed, the suicides weren't happening. Praise God. Wow. The second thing he noticed, the second thing he noticed was the dead tree had like a flower blooming on it. And he thought to himself, okay, that's interesting. He goes, another few months pass. Shannon, there had been a a storm that had, a typhoon that had hit that, that area. He walks past that apartment complex, still no suicides, praise God. He sees... The dead tree, not only is it blooming, but it's alive. He looks at the tree that was um, alive next to it, and there's broken branches on it from the storm. (laughs) Wow. God broke that curse, and it was right there. Something happened in history that caused that curse of death right there, right by that complex. So um, I, I heard that in January and thought, wow. I don't know if I'll ever experience something like that. I just I'm very naive to 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 think that God would would use me in in that area. I guess I, I don't know how to explain it. It just I you know I've had this image of my dad, and he, he's this powerful man of God, and he's been doing it for so long that God. You know, you have to be walking with God for 30, 40 years before you you witness these miracles. So fast forward to just this last year. Um, I'm sorry, this last December. I had 
I, I run a construction company here in Iowa, and um, God has blessed this construction company. It's been a good provision for our family. Um, I, I've mentioned my wife, Heather. Um, we've been married for 19 years, and um, so we actually celebrated our 18th wedding anniversary in Japan last year. We got married January 1st, and uh, so that was really awesome to to experience our 18-year wedding anniversary in Japan, That's walking cool. and being around the people my dad was around so um and then we have three children so carter's our oldest he's going to be 14 at the end of the month and then henry um is next he's going to be 12 in the end of may and then gracie our daughter just turned three at the end of january so we have three children um for those of you who don't haven't put the connection together my name i go by hank but my name is henry i was named after my dad um um, I'm actually Henry the Fifth, Henry Del Gruber the Fifth. <laughs> wow! And then uh, my son is Henry Del Gruber the Sixth. So uh, there's been a long legacy of of Henry Dells <laughs> in this world. And, um, and you're the thirteenth child of Brother Henry, right? Yes. Amazing. <laughs> yeah. So that's a big family. <laughs> God, that's a big family. And, and why my parents carried the name on at the end. I don't know. The only thing I can figure is I, I know my dad wasn't too keen on carrying the name on, didn't want to, but after you have 12 kids and one more, you, you got to stop having kids. So my thinking is my mom, I know my mom said, if this is a boy, we're naming him after you. So I'm, I'm thinking that they just figured to do that to, to stop the, uh, having children. <laughs> I don't know, but uh, yeah, so I'm named after my dad and um, the last of the, the 13 or the last of the children. So, um, by the way, I told my wife last yes. night, you're going to be on today. And I said, uh, Hank is child number 13. My brother, Henry Gruber, my <laughs> wife's eyes got big. 13 children? Because <laughs> yes. we got two. And she's thinking, oh, man, I got to do another 11? Wow. <laughs> I said, no, maybe one more will be good. Um, folks. I don't recommend it except for those that are very, very, very strong in the faith. <laughs> I, mean, I tell you what, very strong. raise a big family and full-time ministry for the Lord. That was Hank's life growing up, folks. Um, you were telling me that, um, again, your dad would be in the Orient many months out of the year. What was an average uh, year like for Brother Henry? How long would be he be gone from home prayer walking? Yeah, so... In the early, um, when he started prayer walking overseas, he first started in Europe, so he, England and Wales, and he was gone for up to eight weeks um, stretches. Now, not always, sometimes it was three to four weeks. And then he started walking and praying in the Middle East, and same thing, six to eight week stretches. Uh, once he started traveling to Asia and Japan specifically, uh, that was in 1995, it was twice a year in the spring and fall and it was anywhere from six to eight weeks each trip so um, that was just to asia now the the rest of the the united states and other countries he was gone easily over 10 months out of the year no wonder um folks we were not able to get brother henry on but maybe once uh <laughs> twice a year i told hank that was like christmas gift because he was so busy <laughs> And yes. pick him up and put him down. I know that uh, from what I heard, I knew of Brother Henry, he would go over and prayer walking, preaching, you know, nonstop, then come back to America and be going from the churches to church and giving reports and preaching in America. People would want him as yes. soon as he came back in. Everybody wanted Brother Henry um, to come out and give some testimony because, folks, yes. um, in this ministry of prayer walking, you're going to see miracles take place. Once again, uh, Hank, back to what a prayer walker does. Uh, they have an yes, assignment, amen. don't they? And it's to go back and reclaim the land for the Lord? Amen. Absolutely. Redeeming the land for the Lord is is so key. So we, um, we I just got back from a trip in Guatemala, and I was there um, January 19th through the 20th. I don't have time to, to share the, the full testimony of how I got there. Next time I, I will. But in... In Guatemala, the only thing I, I knew from the Lord was it was going to be intense spiritual warfare. That's all I was getting from the Lord. So um, he was telling me, challenging me, 
be prepared, be prepared, fast and pray, be prepared. This is going to be very intense. You, you don't have, he didn't say this, but this is how I now analogy now is you don't have your dad at the front of that V you're going to be taking the brunt of it, but put your armor on and I'll be there with you. I'll, I'll take it. I'll take it for you. Just, just walk with me. And, um, so I, I had no clue what, what was going to happen in Guatemala. I mean, just not the slightest information, just prepare spiritually. And, and I get there and, oh my goodness, it was, it was intense. It's a very, um, full of, the culture's full of witchcraft. They're, they're stooped in Mayan religion. So the Mayans were very, very wicked people. Human sacrifice was very normal to them. Um, many of the temples over there still have human remains in them. Um, big pits in the middle of the, the, uh, pyramid like temples and, hundreds of human bones and these things still to this day. So very, very wicked people. And I was telling Shannon earlier today that the the current religion is very blended with Catholicism and Mayan rituals, Mayan uh, type of religion. So we we get over there and I'm just telling them, look, people, we, we need to walk with God. We need to walk and pray. And and they have no clue what this looks like. And I really didn't have a, a, a – now that I look back, I had no idea what it looked like either. But I knew God had given me this word, and he, he told me, if you don't go, you won't grow. And I wow. thought, okay, so that's – that's for this trip, right? And and I'm just talking to God about it, and and he, he kind of based it off of Abraham. You know, he told Abraham to go, and he told um, Abraham and Lot to to part ways, and and Abraham, you go, and where the foot of your soul um, steps on, I will give it to you. And and God's telling people to go, and telling people to walk with Him, and to to go you into all the earth, and and preach the gospel, right? So, I, he he spoke that word to me. If you don't go, you won't grow. And then he gave me the analogy of um, stale, stagnant water. So in the Old Testament, um, I think it's in Genesis 30, where um, Jacob, it says, Jacob opened the wells of his father, Isaac. I'm trying to find it here. But it says he reopened the wells of his father that the Philistines had filled in. And I'm I'm reading that passage, and I've read over it many times. And I'm like, what is this? This is just weird. Why is this even in the in the Bible at the end of Genesis? Genesis it's just uh, twenty six eighteen. Six eighteen. Twenty six eighteen. I googled twenty six eighteen. Nice, perfect. So <laughs> thank you, Google. <laughs> yeah, and it's just like it just pops up out of nowhere, right? And and yes. I'm talking to God. I'm like, what is this? This is just weird. And the Holy Spirit begins to speak to me. It's just, okay, so why would why would you fill a well in, first thing, in the middle of the desert? Even if you're an enemy, why would you do that? That's It says it, he opened the well and he found living water, right? So living water is moving water. If water is not moving, it grows stale and it grows stagnant, correct? Yes. And parasites grow in it, and you can't drink it. It's not a life source. And the Holy Spirit was saying the exact same thing. He's like, you're reopening the wells that your parents dug so faithfully. Because when they passed away, the enemy came in and he tried filling these things up. (laughs) I'm like, whoa. Yeah, the enemy wants to come in. He wants to fill these wells with living water. He wants to eliminate them. But you're redigging these wells. And and then um, in Guatemala, I'm talking with the the pastor there and and i'm like how do you get water up here he's like we dug a well i'm like what do you mean you dug a well yeah we dug a well you dug a well by hand yes how long does it take to dig a well by hand i don't know it took like eight days how many guys two guys how many hours a day i don't know eight to ten hours a day how deep is this well i don't know 60 80 feet i'm just my jaw is dropping as there he's explaining this to me I'm like, show me this well. <laughs> we walk down to it, open the lid. It's a perfect circle. It's like four and a half feet in diameter. I can't see the bottom. There's water in there. I'm like, oh, you dug a well. 
wow, this this Bible verse really comes to life now. <laughs> so, but God, the Holy Spirit is just saying, you're redigging these wells. You're finding that living water. The enemy filled it in because of the the good works that your parents were doing. The the living water they they were um, helping people find that the Holy Spirit was giving. And I'm like, wow, God, that is awesome. So if you don't go, you won't grow. If you stay in the same spot, you're going to grow stale, stagnant. You're going to die spiritually. The parasites, the stupid, sick demons are going to latch on to you. They're going to kill you. They're going to suck the life out of you. And that was pretty eye-opening when, <laughs> when I heard that, when he, he's giving more more knowledge and insight to it. So, yeah, this whole trip was, if you don't go, you won't grow. So I'm, I'm preaching and I'm sharing sharing with the local church. And we're out prayer walking each and every day. So the first day we we start prayer walking, we they, they take me to this pond. And they tell me that this pond has had that they know over eight people die in this pond from drowning. So first question is, do these people know how to swim that are jumping in? Yes, they know how to swim. Second question is, what's happening? Why, why are they drowning? It's not that deep. It's not moving water. It's a small pond. What's happening? He's like, I don't know. They're, they're diving in. They're, they're not coming back up. I'm like, okay, that's interesting. So um, Pastor Juan, he's, he's the pastor over there. He continues to tell me that um, back in October of just last year, he took his teenage son and daughter to that pond. His teenage son jumps into the pond, and he comes up out of the water gasping for air, and he tells his dad he can't breathe. I'm just in shock at this point. I'm like, there is a horrible covenant with death here. I don't know what's going on, but we're going to break this. So we begin to pray, walk around and pray. It's in a, a little city park in this um, little village on top of a mountain in Guatemala. So their, their village, the closest city is Saloma. Um, that's the biggest, closest city. It's kind of northwest Guatemala, close to the Mexico border. So we start walking and praying. This little city park, first thing I noticed, there's trash everywhere. So when you're walking and praying and you see trash everywhere, it's unclean spirits. The easiest way to tell that something is not right is trash everywhere. If you see a big pile of trash on the side of a road somewhere off a trail, something happened there and it's drawing the unclean spirits, the stupid, sick demons to that spot. So that's the easiest way to tell. The second thing I noticed was right where the kids dive into this pond, the ground is dead. So it's just hardened dirt, and it's a, a circle of hardened dirt. It's like five, six feet in diameter. There's grass all around, everywhere else. But this one spot, it's hardened dirt. There's nothing there. There is a strong chance that something happened right there. And my guess would be it's innocent blood was shed there. So some murder some act of violence took place and it could be centuries ago it could be you know a few years ago it could be decades it could be a long time ago but something happened in that spot and now the demons of this world the the god of this world that what what's he come to do what's the devil come to do kill steal and destroy exactly that is all he comes to do that's all he knows how to do and he copycats everything that God does. So if, if heaven is perfect, it's it's obviously clean, right? <laughs> There's no trash. There's no debris in heaven. But in his heaven, which is hell, filth, complete filth and unclean spirits everywhere. So we, we come against that, the, those strongholds and, and we pray and, and, and we, we break that curse with, with death. Um, this was just a month ago, so I haven't got a report back that, you know, nobody else has died in that pond, but I'm, I'm believing that that covenant was broke with death. I later on find out that Mayans, there's a trail that is up around this, this pond and it leads up the side of the mountain. And they're telling me that it's known that Mayans traveled that trail. That trail is beat down. Um, you know, there's no grass on it. It's just hardened trail. You can tell it's a trail. So, I mean, that's been traveled for centuries and, um, you just put two and two together. You know, the Mayan people were very, very violent, very, um, 
just full of witchcraft and human sacrifice. So something happened in that pond to allow the God of this world to kill. So that, that is what we did. We, we, we broke that covenant with death. Um, as we were leaving that pond, I'm, I'm walking on the trail and, and the Holy Spirit speaks to me and he says, when you're walking and praying here, take a trash bag and pick up trash. I'm like, okay. Hallelujah. We're redeeming the land. Why aren't we cleaning it? Absolutely. Let's do this. So I tell Pastor Juan and, and his brother Hector, and, and I say, you know, this is what God's challenged me to do. Let's let's bring a bag and let's start cleaning as we're walking and praying. And so we started doing that, and I, I shared with that at that evening service. And they set up a, a walking and praying day, and they set it up for um, Sunday, Sunday morning at 7 a.m. <laughs> So how many people do you think are going to show up to prayer walking at 7 a.m. on a Sunday? Only the devoted. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in America, I mean, maybe the pastor and you, maybe. <laughs> no, that's not that's not true. I'm sure the devoted will show up. So now in, in their defense, church is at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. So it's not like church is a couple hours, you know, after, after you're done walking and praying. But so that Sunday morning, we got up. And um, we went and visited a house of one of the um, people that go to his church, and we're praying and and coming against the, the the foul spirits on her land and and everything else. We started that at I think we were at five thirty at her house by five forty five. So we're praying with her, and then we walk back to the church, and it's a pretty good hike. We get to the church around seven ten seven fifteen, and there's a good handful of people. By 7.30, there is 30-plus men, women, and children <laughs> there with trash bags to start walking and praying and picking up trash. Wow. I am just overjoyed. I mean, because these women, bless their heart, they're in sandals at best. They have babies strapped to their back with a blanket. We had kids that were three, four, five years old. By the end of that prayer walking day— we were going to go out for like an hour or two. We ended up prayer walking for over four hours. We ended up walking over five miles. <laughs> Men, women, and children. These little children had bags of trash that were heavier than, weighed more than they weigh. So that that's the kind of end of the testimony. But what happened during this was so powerful. So we began to walk and pray. And, and I, my dad always taught me, if you see graffiti or you see sin – don't be offended by it. Don't take it personally. You've got to take it to the Father. If you see graffiti on a wall, perfect. Touch that. It's a point of contact. Start praying for that person. So that that's principle number two. Don't take things personally. Take them to the Father. Start praying for the Father. You see sin. You see wickedness around you. You can't judge it. You can't take it personally. You start doing that, and you're the judge now. Let God handle it. Give it to him. It'll take your joy. You can't let it take your joy. You've got you've to walk with God. You've got to glorify him. You've got to see the good and, and, and rejoice in the good and take the evil to the Father. So if you see flowers, you see God's creation, you rejoice, you thank him for it. So we, we begin to prayer walk that, that morning. And we get on the main road, and it's Sunday. Well, Sunday is market day for the Guatemalan people. So there are countless cars passing us and they see 30 plus people picking up trash in their community they see this gringo this american picking up trash in their country people start talking stopping and asking what's going on and they're explaining hey we want to clean up this area we want to give it back to god we want to make it clean people start crying people start thanking us people start giving us money for drinks and food we're walking by this man's house, and he comes out, and he's dressed um, dressed up for what looks like Sunday service. And he's asking, talking to us, and he, he, he starts inquiring, what are you guys doing? And they start telling him, you know, this, this, this American's over here, and he's teaching us about walking and praying. He's, and he told us, you know, we want to keep God's land clean. And, and they're just explaining to him, and he, he's, he has tears in his eyes. He's thanking us. It turns out he's a, a leader in the Catholic Church, and he's on his way to church, and he's He's, he's rejoicing in, in tears of what God's doing. It was nonstop 
countless cars are stopping and honking and thanking us. It was said that somebody recorded us picking up trash and and we don't know if they posted on YouTube or something, but they thought they heard that the title was something along the lines of gringo in our country picking up trash. Wow. It was the easiest form of witnessing known to mankind. It was so easy. We would pick up trash, and I tell the people this is a point of contact. You're picking up beer bottles. Pray for that person. Pray that God breaks that curse off their life. Pray that God gets a hold of them. This is so easy. You can do this. Anybody can do this. This is not take the the generals of the faith. This is for everybody, the foot soldiers. We're walking on people's land. Think about it. You, You walk on someone's land, and you want to pray for this land. What better way onto their property? Hey, can, do you mind if I pick up the trash in your yard? Who's going to deny that? Wow. <laughs> Not only are they going to let you, but they're going to start asking you questions, and the, the gospel is so easy to present. It was nonstop. We walked to one end of town, and people are just nonstop. We turned around um, and started walking back the other way. We walked maybe maybe three-quarters of a mile um, towards town. And then we turned around, got back to the road to the church and everybody's bags were just overflowing. So like four or five men took the big overflowing trash bags, brought them up to the church and they, they got more bags. And we met at this city park where we had just a few days before broken that covenant with death. We got to the city park and I'm sitting and resting, and I'm looking at all these people picking up trash and praying and walking, and it is bringing tears to my eyes. I can't control the joy of the Lord. It's just just knocking me on my back. We get done, and we wanted to – they don't really have trash service in Guatemala, so what do we do with – you know, 20 bags of, of trash, like 50 gallon bags. We were going to burn it, but we didn't have um, gasoline and most of it was wet. So Pastor Juan, he goes and he talks to the owners of that land. So their house is right on this land. It's, it's like I said, it's a city park, but it's owned by citizens. And they let people come and, you know, play in that park. So he's going to explaining to them what we're doing. They're in tears thanking us. He's presenting the gospel to them. They tell us, leave it. Leave it where it's at. We will take care of it the following Wednesday. We will take it to the city, to the to the landfill. And we're just like, whoa, flabbergasted at this point. Everybody is just, oh my goodness, how can this much happen with, you know, just such a simple task, such an easy task. This is absolutely amazing. So we we leave the trash bags there. I had passed this park at least four times the previous days I was there. And I kid you not, before we walked and prayed it, I saw not a single soul in that park. This is how quick God will move. The next day we're passing that park and I see kids playing in it. Wow. I'm like, wow, God. Two days later, we're passing it again and I see a family out there playing in that park. (laughs) I'm like, the curse is broken. This is God's land now. This is his. People, don't let up. You can go there now. You can witness. You can keep walking and praying it. We're going to get trash barrels that we can put put there so people can put um you know put the throw the trash away there's no barrels there's nowhere to put it so um we're doing that and on the barrels they're going to put something um a bible verse or you know the earth is the lord's and the fullness thereof so that that was my dad's main bible verse with prayer walking psalms 24 the earth is the lord's and the fullness thereof all that dwell in it he's established the foundations and then um in verse like seven or eight it says uh, open up you gates, be lifted up you everlasting doors, and the king of glory shall come in. And then the gatekeepers at the gate, you know, at these temples, you're familiar with the like Hindu temples. They have those big guys with statues with oh, yeah. um, 
big spears and stuff, and my dad always called them the gatekeepers. And the gatekeeper comes out, who is this king of glory? It's the Lord, strong and mighty in battle. He is the king of glory. Open up you gates. Be lifted up you everlasting lords. King of glory will come in. Who is this king of glory, they say again. It's the Lord of hosts. He is the king of glory. My dad would say, we are a part of his hosts. We are allowed to go into these temples. We are allowed to go on these grounds. This is God's property, but because of the curse, the devil has possession of it, but we can take it back because the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, all that dwell in it. Um, And when you do that, when you break that curse, life comes back. God's creation, what did he say in in the book of Genesis? It is good, right? (laughs) He created something. He said, this is good. It's not evil. It's good. If God created it, it's good, and it's his creation. He wants his creation to flourish. He wants his trees to be fruitful, the grass, the flowers, and everything. There is um, another tree on that that same city park. There's two trees side by side, and I took a picture of this. Massive um, – the one tree is is dying. It's split down the middle, and, um, and it's probably 100 yards from the pond. So I'm telling the people, there's something else that happened here. There's no reason that this tree is dead, and the one that's 15 feet from it is alive and flourishing. <laughs> Once again, something happened here. So we, we prayed in that spot seconds. and uh, broke that curse also. So that that is just briefly touching on, on what God did in Guatemala. Um, Folks, this is an Lord appetizer. Yes. Didn't I tell you one hour goes by quick, Brother Hank? <laughs> yes, you did, and and the the enemy was putting fear in my heart, saying, "Oh, you can't fill an hour." <laughs> Let me tell you something, folks. There's more where this came from. I'm so excited to ha- have the honor of having Minister Hank seconds. Groover on the program, and uh, folks, what an exciting testimony tonight about what the Lord can do through you, um, through me, through people who will just go for the Lord. You can take back the land in Jesus' name. Brother Hank, um, what an honor to have you on tonight. We're going to get you back on soon. Check your schedule. Let me know what you got. See if you can find me two hours because it goes by so quick. And we'd love to have you on on a regular basis. I hope you didn't mind, by the way. Uh, During this program, I contacted two of my friends. One is uh, Brother Bill French out in California. The other is Sheila Zelensky in Canada. And I said, you got to get Brother Hank on, son of Henry Groover. He's picked up the wow. torch, so you'll be getting a contact from Ten him as well. Seconds. Um, Amen. We want to get you out there. Now, brother, before we close tonight in prayer, I want you to tell people how they can make contact with you in the ministry, how they can support this work. Amen. Um, Henry Groover, G-R-U-V as in Victor, E-R dot O-R-G. Uh, that's the ministry website. And if you want to go on to Facebook, uh, I, I don't like Facebook. I mean, we all know what what's happening with it and everything else. But the ministry Facebook is is Henry Groover. And you can see all these updates from the Guatemala trip. Just scroll through the posts. Uh, it's really, really neat to see because I was able to do a lot of um, updates through that with pictures and um, some videos and things like that. So those would be the easiest ways to, to contact us and reach out to us. Um, I, I'm still running the business. So my, my time is very limited with, um, the two of them. It's like my dad, when he started out, he's burning the candle at both ends and, and we're believing that God will, will do something with our business. So if, if you would, I'd be so honored if you would pray and just, um, seek God with us, what's supposed to happen with our, our construction business. It's called SWI windows and it's short for Southwest Iowa. Um, I can't run this and um, be in the ministry, involved in the ministry full time. So we're believing that God's going to send a buyer or send a co-laborer to to run the business and release us to yes. to enter into full time ministry. Oh my my goodness! I'll tell you, brother, the best is yet ahead. Uh, Adventures oh, yes, like you've never seen, my friend. <laughs> Folks, um, what an honor to have Hank on. We're going to have him back on. I want to encourage you to go to the website again, henrygroover.com or .org. I was just there. yes. And uh, Brother Hank, can people order 
some uh, teaching from that website. What do you got available if people would like to learn more? Absolutely. So all of my dad's uh, teachings are on the the website. Um, they're five dollars a piece, but if you can't afford it, you can write the ministry and and we'll send out hard copies. But online, you can download digital copies. Um, anything you want, the books, the the audio. CDs, DVDs, and um, absolutely, there. There's a lot of all of his teachings from over the last, you know, thirty plus years. Folks, I'll tell you, it will encourage you hearing these testimonies of what God is doing, and um, we hope in future programs we'll get Hank to teach us uh, bit by bit yeah. how to prayer walk. Um, Brother Hank, I want to thank you for coming on, and uh, would you close us in prayer tonight? Amen. Yes. Thank you so much, Shannon. It's been an honor and privilege, and let's just commit this time to the Lord. So, Heavenly Father, we we come before you again, and we thank you. We praise you that your kindness, your goodness is always for us. We we just want to bless your holy name. What an honor, what a privilege it is to serve you, the King of glory. Lord, we just ask that you'd bless each and every listener tonight, Lord, that you would challenge us to go. Lord, if we, if we don't go, we won't grow. So, Lord, we just ask that, that you will move our hearts to, to going and growing in you. Speak to us. Show us where, where we need to go, where we need to walk with you. And, Lord, we just thank you that, that you are in control. We thank you that you are the God of love. You are not the God of, of hate. You're the God of love, and you're the God of perfect peace and we thank you for your peace that surpasses all understanding we just ask that would guard our hearts and our minds and we commit this to you in jesus name amen brother hank god rich and bless you we'll see you again real soon my friend oh before i go uh if someone wants to contact you what's the best way to do it you have an email a website they should contact you through what's the best way Yes, through the website, there's a area you can reach out to us. Okay, contact um, link through a blog. HenryGroover.org, yes. right? Perfect. Yes. Perfect. My friend, we love you. We'll see you again soon. Thank you for coming on, Hank. We'll see you back soon, Thank brother. you so much. God bless you. God bless you. Folks, that was Hank Groover. I'm going to contact Hank and get him on for another two-hour show, and we'll keep this going. I tell you, what an honor to have him on tonight. Let me save this. We'll be right back. Again, folks, go to henrygroover.org for more information.